0: You are locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host here. In segment one, we're going to discuss another TCU Horn Frog hits the transfer portal. I don't mean that. I don't mean that to sound super alarming. I feel like the way I said that made it sound like. There's some mass exodus. Um, But it is a key contributor that's sitting in the transfer portal, so it's noteworthy. We'll talk about that here. And then in segment two, I'm going to try to compose myself and talk about the basketball game last night. But I was super disappointed in uh, what went down in that loss to Iowa State. So we'll try to hit on all those things in these, you know, 14, 15 minutes we have together. But I'll start with the news that uh, another big defensive piece is hitting the transfer portal for TCU Came out yesterday morning And I'm sorry I didn't get to this in the show yesterday But it was literally like As I, I recorded I shut the recording down I posted it, like I edited the audio I posted it, and then I saw the news uh, Kyrie Coleman is going to enter the transfer portal He, figured, he filled out paperwork um, Yesterday apparently Or maybe it was earlier in the week Either way, Jeremy Clark from 247 Sports Had this, also Drew Davidson From the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and, you know, Coleman missed the first three games of the season last year with an injury, and he wasn't as productive as he was when he was a freshman when he was co-defensive uh, player of the year or co-freshman defensive player of the year um, for the Frogs and was just a force at that defensive end position. But he still, you know, made some huge plays. So I remember that Texas Tech game this year where TCU ended up winning big, but there was a, a point early in the third quarter where Tech was driving – And I think if they scored a touchdown there, they would have cut the lead to like 17 or 14. Anyway, it was just a point in the game where it seemed like, okay, Texas Tech might get back in this if they can put together a drive right now. And Kyrie Coleman came up with a huge sack on fourth down. Um, And he made some key plays like that this year. Again, wasn't as explosive as he was when he was a freshman, but still has some really good tools. And I was excited when I heard about, you know, the move to the 3-3-5 with Joe Gillespie. I thought that he would really fit well as a stand-up outside linebacker, like a stand-up rush end. Um, and I don't—I'm not going to be like—I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on like the nuance of the scheme. I don't have a great feel for everything that they're going to ask um, Kyrie Coleman to do. I mean, I understand that also as out, outside linebacker, you're going to have to make some plays in coverage. You're going to play off the ball a little bit. You're not going to be on the line, but. Kyrie's frame is sort of slight. I mean, he's, you know, hanging around the 230 range, and I think that's maybe a little generous. Um, He's not like O'Shawn Mathis. The O'Shawn Mathis move made sense to me because he was probably going to have to shift a little bit more inside, and, you know, he's more of a traditional uh, four-down lineman defensive end. But I thought Kyrie would really uh, thrive in this sort of hybrid role and could be somebody – that could make plays, but apparently he's not interested in doing that. Like, he doesn't want to, uh, you know, really move positions. He sees himself as a defensive end. So, I'm I'm interested to see where he ends up because, I mean, best of luck to him. I'm not, like, go do your thing. This is college football now. It's essentially everybody's a free agent every single year. You kind of got to figure out what is um, the best move for you. But, man, I just can't imagine – There's a ton of schools. I think there will be a lot of schools interested in him. It's not that there won't be people interested. I think there's going to be a number of schools that are interested in his services. I just don't know how many of them are going to see him as a, you know, more traditional hand-on-the-ground pass rusher and not as someone who wants to play more off the ball or in a stand-up, like, get to the quarterback. But he's an explosive player. He's a quick-twitch guy. I mean, he's someone that's going to make an impact somewhere in a big way. So um, it's a loss. Now, I'll, I'll level with you guys. I think it's going to be a tough year on defense, and I don't. I would say that even if Coleman and Mathis were still there, um, you're losing a lot of production on your defensive line. Now, we'll see. You know what happens when everybody gets um, into spring ball, and what exactly these positions look like obviously Dylan Horton made a lot of starts last year and he was sort of one of the weird things about last season was he was kind of fighting with Coleman for playing time a lot of the time but um, he'll be back you know Landon Watson from uh is um a guy that was pretty highly touted as a recruit we'll see if he gets some more run and there'll be opportunities for those guys to step up and make plays um I think it's gonna be a tough adjustment just because I mean, to be honest, like last year the defense was really, really bad, and especially in the run game. And they've added some guys, but I, they haven't made like wholesale changes necessarily on the defense side of the ball. So I, I do think there's something to be said about a renewed energy, right? Like if Joe Gillespie can come in and get these guys to play harder, move to the ball faster, read their keys, understand their assignments, and really buy in, then that can improve your defense. And um, you know, like we saw that at a different different level of the game. But the Cowboys, they added Micah Parsons, who was an absolute monster. Um, but they also, with a new defensive coordinator, just seemed to buy into what they were doing a little bit more, and that helped a ton. So I think that'll be beneficial. But honestly, like defensively, I think it's going to be a rebuilding year for this TCU Horn Frog team. So we'll have to see what that looks like um, when the season starts. But it's a loss. You know, I wouldn't hit the panic button. Like this is – part of the deal new coaches come in and whether it's not a fit you know on the field or don't really love the message they're preaching don't think you fit in with the new identity of the team you see guys move on um so you're losing a lot of production you lost Zach Evans you lost O'Shawn Mathis Kyrie Coleman who were big players on the defense but I think you just you have to find players that want to be there that want to be a part of this and then hope that you know when the season gets going, everything will sort of take care of itself, and um, you can make up for some of that talent that you lost. So Kyrie Coleman in the transfer portal, we'll see where he goes next. And of course, you can always come back, but it doesn't sound like he's interested in in doing that at least initially when he decided to make this move. When we come back, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about TC basketball and Iowa State last night. That's next on Locked On Horn Frogs. Okay, let's talk about it. We have to. Uh, TCU Iowa State in Fort Worth last night. Maybe the fans shouldn't show up. Man, I I hate that this is another game where Schallemeyer Arena has been a great atmosphere and uh, couldn't get it done, right? Like, team lost. Just did not play well. Um, I'm just kidding. Please keep showing up to the basketball games. You guys are doing a great job. I'm really proud of the student body, especially... For showing out for this basketball team, but frogs fall to Iowa State fifty-four to fifty-one. They are now um, five and six in Big Twelve play, and it's an inexcusable loss. I mean, you got seven games left now. Um, you need to find a way to get eight wins, so you need to win three more games, which doesn't sound impossible. But five of those seven games are against Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas, and Baylor. So it's going to be tough. Um, play Baylor this weekend on the road. Need to find a way to pull off an upset now. But just an atrocious game offensively for TCU. And, you know, I don't want to single out individual players. I try not to do that. These are young men that are playing college basketball, right? Like, it's not it's not professional sports. Uh, but tough night for Mike Miles and Damian Baum. Mike Miles had three points, 0 of 9 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. Um, Damian Baum only had five points. He had a tough night shooting, 2 of 8 from the floor. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon had a rough night, too. I mean, it was just all around... Aside from Eddie Lampkin and Emmanuel Miller, everybody was really struggling offensively. You know, Lampkin was fantastic, 16 points, 8 of 9 from the field. But last night, at the end of the game, when they needed a bucket, TCU had two chances down 52-51 you go take the lead, and they didn't even get Eddie to touch. Like, it was just Eddie never got to touch the ball except for trying to rebound, um, you know, an airballed three at the end of the game, um, it's just like it can't happen. Like, you got to find a way to get the hot hand, the ball. And Mike Miles, I mean, great player. I know he's suffering with those wrists right now. But he just didn't have it last night. And I felt like they were trying to run the offense through him late and it wasn't working. Like, he kept getting cut off when he was driving to the hole. He didn't seem super confident. And, you know, getting a a good shot off. And – the late-game execution that has haunted them at times this year and that, honestly, they've been able to get away with. Um, they couldn't get away with it last night. So tough loss for the Frogs. Um, and, you know, these things are happening 10 million miles an hour on the floor, so it's easy to sit on your couch and watch it on TV and be like, oh, well, they should have done this. But uh, Checo Bannon, he, like, he got two defenders up with a shot fake, and I felt like he had time to put the ball on the deck and either you know take like a mid-range jumper or maybe go to the hole, but he ended up sort of forcing up a really unnatural-looking three that didn't even touch rim, and then ball went out of bounds off Eddie Lampkin, and uh, that was that was it. That was all she wrote basically. TCU could not recover from um, those possessions. So, you know, I, I thought there'd be more energy. They played okay defensively. Iowa State missed a lot of shots, but they did enough defensively to win the game. I mean, you hold the team to 54 points you feel like you should get a victory. They're up two at halftime, 24-22. They really led for most of the second half, too. It was just – there was a point where they're up 39-34, and Emmanuel Miller had gone on a little mini run of his own, and it felt like, okay, this is the moment. Like, put your foot on the gas, get it done, and win this ball game. And Iowa State got five quick points, tied the ballgame up, and then it was, you know – 39-39 at the end of 12 timeout, and all of a sudden it's a brand new ball game. So, um, just just a bad loss, man. I mean, a tough way to lose at home, and now you're sitting with an uphill battle um, to, to end the season and find a way to get to the NCAA tournament. They're in the tournament now, but it's just going to be tough. You're going to have to pull off an upset, and I don't know where those upsets come. And you're also going to have to win – two games against West Virginia, which I don't think is a guarantee considering, you know, the struggles they had um against Iowa State last night. I put this out on Twitter. I said brutal loss for TCU at home. NCAA tournament hopes are now looking slim. And a couple people replied to me. Um Ryan Thomas who's uh who works at TCU and is just a, a basketball legend uh or a really smart basketball mind. He said it would help if we played anyone who didn't suck early in our season schedule, but alas, here we are. And Ryan's right. I mean, listen, like, they played a soft non-conference schedule. That's part of the problem here. But honestly, even if you had some big wins in non-conference play, I don't know if 7-11, and 11, if it ends up being, you know, if that ends up being their record in the Big 12. I'm not sure if that gets you in. Uh, Jacob Langford, loyal listener of the show, said throwing in the towel for basketball this year. Don't sleep on TCU men's tennis. It's out five team. TCU men's tennis is really good. I will say let's not all jump off a cliff here like there's still games to play I it doesn't look good right now can you bounce back and find a way to win a tough game or two down the stretch we'll see but it doesn't look great and uh Tommy said the problem is they haven't played the tough teams yet and then you it off you know the tough schedule that's coming up and yeah I mean it's a backloaded schedule and that was that was one of the big issues is if you didn't pile up as many wins as you could in the front half of the conference play then this is where you are and you're not going to win every game but this is now like um the Oklahoma State game on the road we're up nine with three minutes left couldn't close that out lose to Iowa State at home lose to Kansas State at home I know Mike Miles was missing that day but still he lost that game and then a game against Texas which Texas is really good but a home game against Texas with a great crowd and you just get blown out of the gym um it's frustrating it's disappointing So we'll see if this team can bounce back and get a victory over Baylor Saturday. But um, just a gutting loss for TCU basketball on Tuesday. And hopefully they can renew their focus and get after it. But, man, the execution out of timeouts, the execution in set plays late when you needed them, it just wasn't there on Tuesday night. That'll do it for Locked on Horned Frogs. I'm Stephen Simcox. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you tomorrow.